chapters thirteen and fourteen of the measure of a man a tale of the big woods by norman duncan this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen billy the beast starts home it will be observed that by this time john fairmeadow had found himself he had not only found himself he had discovered his parish it was a big parish as has been indicated there were hundreds of square miles of it miles of great woods remote from the restraints and fashioning influences of civilization the parishioners numbered thousands tens of thousands perhaps if john fairmeadow could but have reached them not all of these men but most of them were hilariously in pursuit of their own ruin for lack of something better to do with their leisure in town in camp particularly in the remoter camps they performed harsh labour and were for the time being clean-lived enough perhaps but in town it was another story as the little settlements founded chiefly to purvey evil to the lumberjacks took care that it should be being men of big strength in every physical way and provided with every opportunity to indulge whatsoever variety of evil propensity they might chance to possess they proceeded to the uttermost of savagery and degradation it was done with shouting and laughter and that large good humour which is bedfellow with the bloodiest brawling and the carousal had perhaps for the time its amiable aspect but the merry shouters soon became like billy the beast who having emerged from pale peter's saloon upon the occasion of fairmeadow's arrival robbed the bulldog of his bone and gnawed it himself or they turned into men like damned soul jones who was used to moaning his way into the forest after the spree in town conceiving himself condemned to roast forever in hell without hope nor even the ease which his mother's prayers might win from a compassionate god and every roisterer among them was prey prey of the most helpless description prey under the very noses of the authorities for the saloon-keepers and gamblers of the towns expensive laughed a saloon-keeper's wife of swamp's end flashing a ring on her finger what do i care about expense my husband has a thousand men working for him in the woods as for john fairmeadow that's all right boys he used to say i'm your minister and i'll stand by you as long as i have breath in my body fairmeadow was up against it but fairmeadow was a man of big body and stout heart and fairmeadow stood by he was the only man in all those woods who did stand by it was billy the beast who drew john fairmeadow into his first grave altercation the place was pale peter's saloon the antagonist was charlie the infidel and the manner of the thing i shall relate billy the beast wanted to go home billy the beast always wanted to go home never did a payday come near but billy the beast announced to the boys of the cant hook cutting that he was bound home but billy the beast had never yet never once in the ten years he had been trying got farther on the way to the east than swamp's end billy's mother had now sent for him however and billy was bound to go but billy's old mother had for many years been sending for him and billy had never yet managed to get beyond swamp's end the time had come the time had now come when billy must go 
and determined at last to depart he sought the aid of john fairmeadow what was a parson for would john fairmeadow help him yes the parson would help would john fairmeadow see him through swamp's end yes the parson would see him through swamp's end and if billy the beast chanced inadvisedly to stray into the red elephant with his wages in his pocket would the parson knock him down take his money away put a ticket in his pocket and throw him in the baggage car of the midnight train going east the parson would be delighted all right parson said billy the beast you go just as far as you like i will fairmeadow returned delighted i'll go the limit billy can i depend on you you may billy fairmeadow answered solemnly a twinkle in his eye you may depend on me secure in this guardianship billy the beast bade the boys of the cant hook cutting a ceremonious farewell goin home said he you see boys mother's sent for me and i'm goin home it was the spring of the year then the drive was over and billy the beast his winter's wages in his pocket took the trail for swamp's end in high spirits goin home boys said he to those whom he met by the way you see my mother sent for me and i'm goin home john fairmeadow was unfortunately not aware of the precise day of billy's passage through swamp's end billy had not informed him billy had promised to inform him of course he had been intimately particular to secure fairmeadow's presence at swamp's end long about tuesday but it had gone no farther billy the beast had neglected neglected was the word he applied to it afterwards to send the warning of his arrival perhaps who knows the poor fellow his lips dry for the diversions of swamp's end had already begun to fail in his purpose however that be pale peter's men whose sources of such information were at that time superior to john meadows were apprised of his departure from the cant hook cutting long before he approached swamp's end and knock knuckle jimmy pale peter's cleverest runner was dispatched to fetch him in knock knuckle jimmy succeeded i wasn't intending said billy the beast to charlie the infidel to have a drink it's on the house billy much obliged charlie billy replied but you see you see i been sent for and and i wasn't intendin a little liquor charlie blandly inquired it would be a little liquor charlie said billy if i was takin anything but you see i wasn't intendin bottle and glass were slapped on the bar i wasn't intendin billy repeated his voice weakly trailing off to 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 take a, a water with it billy when i take it billy replied i take it neat but you see charlie this time i wasn't intendin' to fill her up man well just one that was the end billy the beast tossed the liquor off and wiped his beard charlie the infidel smiled a convivial approval seen the parson billy inquired it was a shamefaced question parsons at bottle river charlie replied have another no more billy protested that'll do for me you see i've been sent for and i'm on my way well just one more it was the end indeed it was night before the news of this came to the ears of john fairmeadow 
this was on the trail from the bottle river it was monday tuesday had been the day fixed by billy the beast the parson was trudging stolidly toward swamp's end when he encountered the breathless plain tom hitch and was informed of the perilous situation of billy the beast an hour later the big minister broke wrathfully into the bar of the red elephant billy the beast was drunk billy the beast was very drunk and as always at this stage of his carouse he was engaged in a theological controversy chiefly with himself you take sammy sink he was arguing and he was converted converted in a minute yes sir never wanted another drink not sammy sink it was to the case of sammy sink whom nobody knew that billy the beast invariably referred to clinch's argument conversion was billy the beast's mania in intoxication i want you to know boys he ran on that almighty god can convert a man whenever he wants to yes sir he don't do it any too dashed often to suit me but he can do it when he wants to and he done it to sammy sink why he exclaimed almighty god could convert me if he tried whether or not billy had already been robbed of his wages by pickpockets or bartenders john fairmeadow could not tell as he advanced to the bar if so if the thing had already been accomplished billy's hope of going home was blasted there would be nothing for billy to do but go back to the woods until he had accumulated another store fairmeadow laid a rough hand on billy's shoulder where's your money he demanded ah shucks parson billy pleaded let me alone where's your money i'm just having a little fun where's your money ain't got no money it was true blowed my stake said billy the beast charlie the infidel himself a little flushed interrupted look here parson said he what you button in here for anyhow me the parson flashed in a rage yes you this ain't no place for a parson fairmeadow stared what you want to butt in here for charlie said fairmeadow going a little pale this is my job well the bartender fumed we don't need no parson here to-night what fairmeadow roared charlie the infidel hesitated not at all he came over the bar fairmeadow leaped away and stood waiting he smiled a little the thing was to his taste charlie's assault was immediate he struck at the minister and he was a big man a bigger man than fairmeadow had the blow been effective fairmeadow would not only have measured his length on the floor but would then and there have closed a useful career at swamp's end where nobody had much regard for a beaten man of this fairmeadow was acutely aware he saw to it that the bartender's blow failed it was a simple matter fairmeadow bobbed his head and the blow passed over this chanced to be an art in which the minister had in a mild way been trained he laughed a little charlie returned to the assault in a fury again fairmeadow avoided him and again fairmeadow seemed to be a little bit amused the crowd a group of lumberjacks and their human parasites attended in amazement what manner of parson was this the manner of preacher was known to them and the manner of fighting man was presently disclosed charlie the infidel came at him again again fairmeadow evaded with a smile 
he would not strike his antagonist until the watchers had been persuaded that the antagonist could not strike him but the fight must have an end and that end must be decisive fairmeadow knew lest the fight have to be fought all over again and when charlie the infidel came again fairmeadow tapped him on the chest a tap of such amazing weight however that the bartender reeled now boys said fairmeadow looking about completely in possession of his temper even his good humour i'll have to put him out charlie the infidel rushed fairmeadow leaped aside stepped forward three swift little steps and struck charlie the infidel went down it had been necessary it had not only been necessary perhaps but a providential opportunity unprovoked to display all those arts of self-protection of which fairmeadow was possessed perhaps if one were to look into the matter with care it was all as wise and helpful to fairmeadow's parishioners as a sermon might have been but john fairmeadow was distressed when he helped the dazed infidel to his feet and his distress was deep and real i'm sorry old man said he that's all right parson charlie returned you got me fair enough fairmeadow was silent that's all right charlie repeated don't you worry no more about that it needn't occur again said fairmeadow no charlie returned positively it won't i'm glad said fairmeadow devoutly you see charlie he began in disgust your business here of bartending is such a detestable never mind that charlie broke in we talked that to death long ago but god help you it is detestable boys said the infidel to the gaping crowd of woodsmen and small gamblers what do you have the drinks is certainly on me billy the beast had vanished the beast had vanished nor could fairmeadow find him again that night what matter after all billy the beast could not have gone home they had robbed him of his wages long before john fairmeadow's arrival in the bar of the red elephant three days later fairmeadow found him and fairmeadow's search had been diligent in the snake-room of the cafe of egyptian delights where he had been thrown sick and utterly penniless such was the purpose of the snake-rooms of the lumber-town saloons when there was no more to be got out of him and he could borrow no more billy was in a stupor of intoxication but presently revived a little and turned very sick that you parson he asked yes billy all right feel a little better now uh fairmeadow eased the man's head on the floor of the foul place guess i better not go home billy muttered not this time no said the parson not this time next time said billy yes said the parson next time next time surely god help you billy the beast tried again and again to go home so long boys he continued to say when he set out for swamp's end with his wages in his pocket so long boys i'm going home mother sent for me the old lady's pretty well on in years now and i just got to go again and again the thing happened but there came a last time in the end it came when billy the beast set out for swamp's end bound home in all this time john fairmeadow was a busy man none more industrious none whose work lay nearer or needed doing more and there was something added to the most that he could accomplish 
john fairmeadow was not the real thing yet he was only a lay preacher after all the boys believed in him of course the boys would listen to no criticism of him but the boys wanted the real thing and with this reasonable wish john fairmeadow was in sympathy as fairmeadow told pale peter in the beginning he had arranged all that with the superior body of his church ordination would come in due course fairmeadow would be an accredited minister by and by the superior body had required an examination in systematic theology old testament history how to compose a sermon and the like but that was all those rare hours which john fairmeadow had for himself he devoted to the acquirement of this knowledge it was a much interrupted pursuit of knowledge there was so much for a parson to do in the bar-rooms of swamp's end after night so many sudden calls upon the wisdom and muscle of the minister that there was little enough time for learning of the text-books about the origin of sin and the nature of god but john fairmeadow persevered he was not much interested to be sure in the origin of sin as expounded in the big black text-book and he had his own sources of information not metaphysical concerning the nature of god but he persevered for the boy's sake determined to make the best of the very hard job and he looked forward to the superior body's examination with a trepidation so genuine and extreme that it occasionally made him laugh and if the boys want an ordained minister in these camps john fairmeadow determined they're going to have one chapter fourteen pale peter's donald it was raining an interminable drizzle occasionally rising with a rush of wind from the gray sky to a noisy downpour swamp's end a dreary puddle of mud in wet weather was dripping and out of sorts in charlie the infidel's living quarters beyond the bar at the red elephant mrs charlie the infidel bored to death by the adventures of the lord and lady's maid of her paper-backed novel was out of sorts with all of swamp's end and yawned until the poor lady's jaws fairly cracked and upstairs in pale peter's rooms pale peter's donald too was out of sorts dawdling over the lessons john fairmeadow had set him pausing now and again to stare vacantly into the rainy weather and sighing far more than a lad of blithe age and rosy health should have good occasion to sigh pale peter's bruiser restless under a chair in the bar was obviously out of sorts and pale peter himself reposing in an easy-chair in the little office at the end of the bar his feet on the desk a cigar in his listless hand gazing blankly through the window into the muddy street was considerably more out of sorts than anybody connected with his thriving establishment pale peter was very much out of sorts indeed pale peter could not recall and while he stared into the rain he had searched his experience pale peter could not recall another mood of such footless black melancholy it could not be the bar there was no trouble in the bar the bottle river and cant-hook wagons had driven up gathered each its load of stupefied sots and staggered off again and it was not the weather pale peter was dry clean warm and sheltered it was surely not the weather pale peter wondered what donnie was doing 
and then with a quick little frown he wondered what was the matter with the boy and when he would leave off sighing and why he sighed at all and why the deuce he kept ogling his own father with grave and pained regard pale peter was decidedly out of sorts the only man who wasn't out of sorts at swamp's end it seemed and the only man who was abroad in the rain was john fairmeadow who came whistling down the street towards the red elephant and was presently smiling broadly from pale peter's other easy chair already booted for the trail jack pale peter wanted to know what the deuce do you do it for do what well for example pale peter asked where are you going now kettle stream peter kettle stream pale peter exclaimed in amazement on a day like this you see fairmeadow explained apologetically i promised the boys i'd be out to-night to preach a little sermon what in thunder do you do it for keep my word no no i mean the whole thing why is it that you spend your time in this god-forsaken mud-hole mollycoddling the swine of these woods fairmeadow laughed it's dirty work for a man like you peter added in disgust what do you do it for fairmeadow sharply demanded me you do what why is it fairmeadow accused that you spend your time in this godforsaken mud-hole sending the souls of these poor fellows to damnation it's dirty work peter he added for a man like you peter laughed i can't understand fairmeadow went on why it is that you should turn yourself into the detestable beast that you money jack fairmeadow sneered i have a son jack said peter quietly yes fairmeadow gravely replied you have a son jack pale peter confided there being some quality in the melancholy gray weather to induce confidences i love my son since his mother died she didn't die here jack she knew nothing of this thank god since his mother died i haven't cared much for anything else in the world and i i want the boy to make good with his life i tell you jack my heart is set on his making good poor boy fairmeadow sighed pale peter started what do you say that for he asked bewildered poor little fellow fairmeadow repeated there was a squall of rain in the bleak day beyond the great window it came in a rush from the low gray sky and drummed on the panes for god's sake jack pale peter demanded leaning forward in agitation why do you call him that i think fairmeadow replied that he loves you very much yes yes of course but that's why i understand of course that he loves me pale peter began still bewildered but you see jack that's why fairmeadow repeated pale peter's gray face fixed and emotionless of habit was now in a frown of perturbation and concern the man shifted uneasily in his chair he puffed noisily at his cigar for a moment and then fallen into a troubled muse he stared out of the window seeing nothing of the driving rain nothing of the drear darkening sky closing in upon the red elephant but somehow in his drawn face reflecting the deepening melancholy of the day jack said he presently you and i ought to get this thing straight i want you to understand you see old man i i love my son having no son of your own jack you don't know of course just what this mean 
but the plain fact is jack that there isn't anything else in the world that i care very much about i don't care about myself jack not a bit not a single bit all i care about is donny that may sound almighty queer to you old man but it's true and if you had a son of your own you'd understand it it isn't sentimental you know it's just a natural pride and love if you were a father yourself jack why you'd understand pale peter paused and now old man he went on i'm going to tell you a little about myself pale peter gray pale peter of the red elephant at swamp's end pale peter of the thin gray lips of the cold gray eyes the white hands and the correctly tailored smart brushed and pressed attire pale peter looked once into the sympathetic eyes of the big minister and content with the feeling he found struck a match applied it to the end of his cigar puffed leaned back in his leather-covered chair blew a cloud of fragrant smoke towards the red curtains of the door to the bar and went on jack said he i want my boy to make good what i want is that he shall make good with his life what i want and if i were a praying man this is what i would pray for what i want is just that he shall make good with his life what do you mean that he shall be a man a decent man i see i didn't have a very good time jack pale peter went on when i was a boy like donny my father was in this business not successfully jack and not here it was in the east a big city and a mean poverty-stricken quarter of the town and i tell you old man i can't forget it it was a harsh life for a little boy to live it was bitter cruel and when i got out of school jack and had to make my own way through college i made up my mind to let the textbooks talk as they liked that if ever i had a little boy of my own to look after he shouldn't suffer what i had suffered it seemed to me to be a matter of money that's all just money and i think so now it's money just money pale peter paused again fairmeadow said nothing never a word of protest when donny came jack pale peter went on and when donny's mother died it seemed to me that i could do better by the boy by doing something like this than by keeping on in what you might call a self-respecting employment but what was in point of fact a very poorly paid one i knew this business jack and i knew because i had heard the talk of it the opportunity there was out here in the lumber woods and so i came out here when donny's mother died to make good for donny and i have made good and i'll be rich soon and donny and i will go east and forget how the money was made he's only a little fellow jack he'll forget surely he won't remember and he won't have to go through what i went through as a boy he'll have a chance a fair chance to make a man of himself and that's all i want jack just to provide a fair chance for little donny to make a man of himself i see said fairmeadow what have you been doing jack nothing nothing at all not much what have you done well of course fairmeadow explained i'm playing the game with you as i understand what you meant when first we talked together i'm teaching donny for example to read and i'm good pale peter broke in of course i know that but donny goes with me everywhere he cares to go 
that's good of course i know that and you display i know a fine manhood for him to emulate i'm glad you've come jack and i'm more than glad you've stayed i'm teaching him something about god good that's playing the game jack yes that's playing the game but peter as far as you are concerned the game is going to i'm almighty glad you're teaching him about god i don't know very much about god of course fairmeadow apologized but what i do know what i have learned from reasonable sources and found out for myself i'm teaching as best i can in a very quiet way to that's good pale peter interrupted i'm glad of it there's nothing else i think has he uh, has he said anything about uh, me nothing nothing and pale peter jerked his gray head towards the red curtained door to the bar about this not yet that's good said pale peter he's too young yet to understand this business of billy the beast said fairmeadow at a venture is not much to the boy's taste oh well pshaw pale peter ejaculated billy the beast must be let alone if donny wants him to go home he can go i'll attend to that jack i'll see to it that nobody not at all fairmeadow interrupted no not at all if billy the beast goes home he must go of his own notion and by his own strength helped out by god almighty and by nobody else that's all right jack fairmeadow looked pale peter over in a muse peter said he jack notwithstanding all that you have told me i should like to say something go ahead jack i have to say it peter that's all right jack go right ahead say anything you like you are a damned rascal pale peter sighed that's all right jack he began of course i know your point of view but donny came in hello jack said the boy i didn't know you were here hello boy hello kid said pale peter hello pop what is it donny nothing sir i just came down for a minute to see what you were doing the boy advanced then towards john fairmeadow's chair but as though bethinking himself all at once he turned with a little flush and moved towards his father but without at all looking in the man's anxious gray eyes indeed he seemed to avoid his father's glance but he settled himself on his father's knee without any sign of reluctance and began to play with the rings on his father's long white fingers listening absently the while to the inconsequent chatter which the two men had taken up upon his entrance he was not in pale peter's image he was obviously his mother's son a brown-eyed youngster of a dreaming way oversensitive perhaps and given to moods pale peter had him dressed out in the late fashion of the east he was quite as well tailored quite as well groomed quite as good-mannered quite as faultless as to linen as pale peter himself and his accent was as soft and agreeable he was restless on his father's knee it seemed to fairmeadow who watched this play of feeling with acute anxiety that the lad was shamefaced and troubled in his father's company but fairmeadow could not make sure and he hoped for pale peter's sake that his doubtful inference was altogether mistaken the boy did not stay long in the little office he sighed presently and went away to proceed with his lessons said he so that he might not make himself ashamed 
when john fairmeadow should get back from preaching the little sermon to the boys on kettle stream when donald had gone pale peter turned anxiously to fairmeadow he's all right isn't he he asked he looks well doesn't he quite hearty fairmeadow laughed he's been so blue of late the saloon-keeper went on doubtfully that i get frightened sometimes i'm glad you think he's all right jack i-i shouldn't like to lose him you don't think do you jack that i'm likely to lose him out here not in the way you mean what do you mean by that jack the boy's in good health pale peter was relieved i'm glad you think so said he i don't want to lose him jack he's all i got my god i don't want to lose him fairmeadow rose to take the trail for kettle stream jack said pale peter returning to the first question what do you do it for i want to it looks like a mean job to me it's a man's job and i like it yes but but what do you do it for once peter fairmeadow answered gravely i had my own fingers burned you i was pretty well scorched peter pale peter stared you don't look at jack said he at last no fairmeadow replied not now peter whistled his amazement you he ejaculated well well and that's why i understand i understand now but you're up against it jack you're up against far more than you can overcome the liquor men are not going to let you do anything big out here they're not going to let you interfere very much with business jack you can pick a few river pigs and filthy lumberjacks out of the fire of course and you can sober a lot of them up when they need it and you can save some of them a little money and you can teach them all to sing hymns but you're not going to be allowed to do very much more you're up against it jack you're up against the whole system you can't put a stop to anything you can go just so far and no farther raw jack flack of big rapids can put a stop to all the good you're trying to do the police are with us the judges are with us the district attorney is with us so what's the use the attorney general won't listen to you he can't do anything you know that a lumberjack hasn't the ghost of a show in the settlements he can be filled up and robbed just whenever a saloon-keeper wants to fill him up and rob him not a magistrate in seven counties will lift a finger to help him what's the use jack what's the use why don't you go somewhere where your work will count what do you waste yourself here for my work is counting oh pshaw it is peter one of these days pale peter scoffed you'll get billy the beast through swamp's end with his wages in his pocket and you'll call that a day's work by jove fairmeadow laughed grimly it would be a day's work what would it matter a good deal to me and to donny and a great deal more to billy the beast and to his mother pale peter sighed peter said fairmeadow lifting his pack to his shoulder i carry the standard of righteousness in these woods doubtless i'm a very wretched sort of man to lift a flag like that but i'm the only man to do it peter and i'm going to keep on perhaps i'm nothing more than a protest but i propose to keep right on interposing my life between these poor fellows and their destruction there are boys in the camps there are hundreds of mothers sons there without a hand to help them or a voice to cry out against their ruination i interpose peter i interpose 
fairmeadow squared his shoulders and threw back his fine head i like it he cried i'm glad i'm alive i'm glad that i trod the path i did i'm glad because it has brought me to this place and to this work in the world i interpose peter i interpose with that he went out pale peter sat brooding in the gray light his mood had not been relieved by the minister's gallant purpose and way rather it had been deepened down came the rain now in a sweeping passionate rush from the drear sky now in a disheartening drizzle pale peter brooded darkly it was true that he loved his son it was true that his hope lay altogether in the boy it was true too that the design of all his dealings at swamp's end was to provide a sure and untroubled future for the son he loved and donald he fancied was yet young the boy would not be scarred by what went on about him and he would forget why not at any rate let him know a little about life why not disclose to him all that he should avoid in life the way of the wicked and the wages of sin the boy was well pshaw the boy was in rosy health there was no danger neither body nor soul was in peril john fairmeadow would look out for his soul pale peter would look out for his body there was no good cause for alarm not yet and it would not be long now before the boy's future could be made secure another year or two no more than that as for the strange mood by which he was now possessed donnie came in again hello kid hello pop what's the matter boy nothing 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 pale peter's frown was anxious when he took the boy on his knee End of chapter fourteen